Boom, we're in, man. Mike Norman, how you doing, man? Good, man. How you doing, Brett? I'm good. I'm good. This is a long time coming, man. We should have done this a lot sooner. Yeah, well, hey, everything happens in its time, right? <laughs> yes, I think so. And and was good. You know, you text me just uh, half an hour ago. I'm sitting here and I'm like, hey, what are we doing? Let's 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 chat. Let's record this thing. So <laughs> you're you're here. You're there. I'm here, and here we go. So cool. it's cool. So you were just mentioning that you kind of been a little bit of a, a down period, you know, obviously in the, in the college season it's done and then you move on to kind of the international season. But you also mentioned there's still some things going on in the program. What's happening? Yeah, we have a couple of, of you know, we have a, quite a few Brazilian swimmers mm -hmm. on the team. Mm -hmm. um, when uh, Caio uh, Pamputis, who, who, who was a um, member of our team and just graduated this past year, um, yep. But that helped us bring in some really good good swimmers, and they're preparing for uh, short course um, uh, world short course championship trials for Brazil. So there's still that preparation going, and and making sure they have everything they need. And um, so that's that's just sort of the process is you got to take care of you guys. That's that's the thing, man. Just it reminded me of one of my favorite songs. You know, like uh, I love Biggie Smalls, and uh, one of his favorite one of his songs is "More Money, More Problems." And that's the thing is, like, you want <laughs> you want your program to be successful, right? At the highest level, you've come in. You know, you got this team around you. Courtney's the head coach, and you're all amped up. You're like, all right, let's take the program to the next level. And and then you you get a swimmer, and he does well, and then he kind of attracts some other swimmers, and now all of a sudden you got some people in, but then. Then you get the situation of like, okay, now kind of like what you're doing is is you're you're coaching these athletes who are at the highest level, but they're all going to different meets. So you got your college season, you're preparing them for. In the back of their mind, they're thinking, well, I got to go to these international meets. And then as soon as the summer comes along, you got half your team that wants to kind of go and celebrate and have a good time. The other half want to get serious and go on to big meets. And now all of a sudden, your summer's dragging out, and then recruiting starts, and so. You know, the better your program gets, the more problems you have, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, I I, I think the, the thing that's helped is, um, you know, I coached club for so long and, you know, started the team that I, that I, that I worked with. And, um, you know, I think the biggest challenge was having a young family and trying mm -hmm. to manage um, spending time with them. And, but also like you have to be there for practices. You have to be there for meets. There's a lot of travel involved and there's just a lot of overall work. You know, I was mm -hmm. talking to um, uh, Chris Davis, um, mm -hmm. some Atlanta owner uh, um, and, and head coach and awesome coach, great guy. But I was talking to him um, and, you know, we talked about like when you're, if you're going to be really good at something, it's going to take about 10 to 12 years. And, um, you're going to work, you know, 12 hours a day. And that's what it's been like for the past, I don't know, 15 years. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but I think, you know, our family definitely has gotten stronger and um, we kind of, you find a rhythm and I, you know, I have Wednesdays for my son and, um, you know, uh, Friday and or Saturdays for my wife. And then usually when my daughter's in town, Sunday is for her. And then we eat dinner together every night. So, um, we just try to, that, that's the biggest challenge is trying to make time for them. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And that, that'll continue. And that'll be your biggest challenge for forever, man. When you got those kids and, and uh, it, it's, it's just part of the, the work-life balance that you got to figure out. And, um, you know, I think, I think ask is doing a, a much better job of that these days of, of pulling coaches in and kind of managing that work-life balance and 
getting everybody to kind of talk about it more. You know, I think mental health is such a big issue amongst athletes, but uh, this this work life balance, I think, is such a huge, crucial key component for for coaches and families and, and keeping them together and, and keeping good coaches in in the industry without losing them to having to sacrifice all this um this this time with their family you know but uh but it's interesting but listen mike you you got a story man and i love telling people's stories so let's let's dig into your story a little bit like what is your story man how'd you get into swimming wow (laughs) um wow that's that's so i got into swimming i think that my earliest memory of swimming was um i think i was five years old Mm -hmm. and um and my mom uh, and we used to go to the pool a little bit, but my mom, I remember just being woken up on Saturday morning. I was living in um, in uh, in Hempstead, New York, and Long Island. Mm. And my mom woke me up on, on Saturday morning. She said, we're going swimming. And it was like a learn to swim program. Um, and the team was Trotz Finman swim team. And I started there and I hated it for like three years because I was <laughs> bone skinny and I would be freezing cold all the time mm-hmm. um and you know it's just kind of you know my, my my family's background is a little bit different like my dad grew up playing football mm-hmm. um went to school on a football scholarship ran track um my mom didn't play any sports she tri- she ran track a little bit and then she she stopped doing that when she got to college but um my dad was someone who did not let us play football he didn't let me play football mm. um and he said, you know, just do something different, you know. So um, stayed in swimming and, and um, you know, just I remember seeing like the 84 uh, Olympic Games with um, Steve Lundquist winning 100 breaststroke. And I was a breaststroker and I was like, man, mm-hmm. I want to I do that someday. <laughs> and so, um, so, you know, swam in, in, in New York for a couple of years and then um, made a zone team. And, um, and then I, that's where I met Jim Ellis. Um, Mm. and it was like, you know, for, as an, as a young swimmer, there were, I mean, you show up at a meet and it's you as the only, maybe the only black swimmer. Mm -hmm. And I saw Jim on the pool deck and, you know, he was this coach that had been, you know, having kids that were, um, you know, competing in 200 backstroke and hundred breaststroke and 500 freestyle. And Mm. I hadn't seen black kids do that before. Mm. And so, um, and that's sort of how I got pulled into swimming and, you know, met, went to train with Jim for a summer just to try it out. My dad actually seeked him out and then ended up moving there. And, uh-huh. um, and it was just an awesome experience being with, with the, the great Jim Ellis, you know, um, yeah. I want to dig in more to that. I want, I'm going to get into that, uh, deep. I want to, I want to learn more because that's interesting to me. Super interesting that, you know, we talk, we, a lot of people have talked to Jim Ellis and even told his story, but to get someone who swam for him and, and be in that group of kids at, at that time, I want to get your perspective on that, but just going back to your, your mom for a second, real quick, what gave her that thought of my kids need to swim, getting you up out of bed at, on Saturday morning to go swim and being one of the only black people in the water and in the region like that, what's that mindset for her? Why'd she think that? I don't know. You know, um, I, I, you know, that's interesting. I never really, you know, I don't know, like, I don't know why she made that decision. You know, um, I'm glad <laughs> she made it. I think it, it was probably something about just wanting um, 
her kids and be safe. I think mm-hmm. that that was that was important because we were going to like we would go to like you know there was a pool in Hempstead called Lakeview, and uh, we would go to Lakeview pool and but we would always stay in the shallow end. Um, neither one of my parents still to this day can't swim, um, and wow. but I think it was just um, she just wanted us. I, I, I my only thought is that I think she just wanted us to be safe. You know, mm-hmm. um, um, and I think my dad like when he played football, it was like he had to go play both both sides. He played, you know, linebacker and then he played um running back, you know, so mm-hmm. um and he had a ton of injuries from it, you know, and so he was and my he let my brother play football, but didn't let me play football because back then I was just I was a bony skinny kid and he was like, Yeah, not for you. You're just gonna just keep at what you're doing and um so yeah, I don't I don't know why she she made that decision. I, I would say that even, you know, where we were located, it was predominantly, you know, it was probably predominantly black neighborhood. So, mm. um, you know, Trotz Finman, city of Hempstead um, or town of Hempstead, excuse me, was was um, majority African-American and, mm-hmm. and Latino. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But the but the first swim team you you went to was predominantly white then? No, it was predominantly black. But oh, okay. when we would go to go to certain meets, you might be, you know, there might be four of us at a meet on oh. the same team. And, mm-hmm. you know, back in the day before there wasn't any, you know, four hour rule for USA swimming, there might be 800 kids and you're the only, you know, four black kids at the meet. Did you feel weird? Did, did that feel weird for you? Um, You know, Brett, my first, my first, the first time I was called the N word, um, was at a swim meet. Mm. Uh, I was seven, and we were sitting in the in the uh, you know in a in the bullpen. They used to give you blue cards and 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 uh, blue cards for boys and pink cards for girls. And a kid set up and said, "I don't want to sit next to this," you know. And mm. um, that's that's my first memory of of being called that. And you know, I, I think at meets we had such a great team culture with all the teams that I went to that you you kind of had like a support system at the meets that you went to, but you definitely felt, I mean, I definitely felt, you know, um, the tension when I was younger back then getting on the blocks, definitely. Mm. Yeah, mm. definitely even, even going to the meets and especially as we got better and started going to national level meets, it was, it was, um, it was definitely there. Yeah. How long are we talking ago? Are we talking 20, 25 years ago? What are we talking now? 30 years ago. 30 years ago. So 30, 30. years ago, right? The, the, you, you've had that experience, you know, small black community of swimmers around a large white community. I don't think much has changed in 30 years, man. No. Yeah. I mean, am, am I wrong here? Like, what's going on? No. Yeah, you, you're 100% right. You know, I think um, that is the probably one of the more frustrating things to see is, um, um you know, we're not capitalizing on all the talent, you know, that, mm. that's available out there. And mm. there's, a, there's a ton of it, you know. Um, so ton of it. I, I think that, you know, Jim and where he where he is and where he was in Philadelphia, um, you know, the way he built that program um, allowed him to capitalize on a lot of talent. Right. And, and I think that but also like the amount of work that we did. And I think the neighborhood and and who her parents were, I think that that played a huge role. I mean, most of the most of the families at PDR were 
um, they were blue collar. It was, you know, policemen, you know, teachers, um, you know, folks that worked for the city um, that were born into the, uh, that were born during the Great Depression um, and that, and had to really work their tails off to, to, to get what they had. So mm. the idea of like not working hard, you know, I think Jim sort of hit a sweet spot in that, in that, that neighborhood and during that time frame. Yeah. Yeah. Be before we go completely forward, I, I do want to, um, stay on the Jamella stuff, but I, I want to say one thing, like in terms of your success and where you are right now. I mean, you're in you're in Division One, one of the top programs in the country. How many black coaches do you think there are in swimming at that Division One level? If you were just to put a rough estimate on it, what do you think? That I see it meets that I know of. Yeah. Um, not many. I mean, I I feel like I may be completely wrong, but I could probably count them on both hands. Yeah, I was I was thinking around, you know, I can't think of any more than 10, but certainly no more than 20 total, yeah. right? Men and women combined, yeah. too. You know, like, yeah. you're a complete outlier. So for someone that has had the success you've had, man, congrats on that in terms of just beating the odds. You know what I mean? And, and being a trailblazer for your community. We individualize training in the pool, so why not individualize your nutrition? Erica Barney of Barney Wellness Building will help you and your swimmers get exactly what each athlete needs through genetic testing and personalized nutrition plans. So stop guessing what you should and shouldn't be putting into your body. Athletes within a few weeks have noticed they're recovering faster because they're fueling their body with what they need and staying away from what their body hates. Erica understands swimming. She gets it. She's worked with over 20 Olympians, including the fastest man in the world, Caleb Dressel. Group discounts are available, so go to Biney Wellness Building and get in touch with Erica today. That's Biney, B-E-I-N-E, wellnessbuilding.net. Swim Angelfish. Swim Angelfish is an online certification program that strengthens your teaching curriculum to serve swimmers of all abilities. Swim Angelfish will prepare you and your instructors with the skills to teach swimmers with autism, physical disabilities, anxiety, sensory and motor conditions, and more. Learn to teach skills faster and with more comfort with Swim Angelfish. Apply for an only alpha pool product scholarship and receive up to 50% off your certification. Go to swimangelfish.com today to apply. Well, let's go back to Jim Ellis then, because obviously he's world famous with the movie that, that came out about him and the program, the PDR program. And and all those people in it. So what was, what was it like back then, man? What was it? Um, what was the environment? You know, like Jim, one thing I, I always, people always ask about, you know, um, whoever's seen the pride movie, they mm -hmm. always ask about it. And, I, and I'll, I'll say, you know, it is, I never in a million years thought anyone would make a money. I mean, make a movie about, um, about, uh, black swimming in Philadelphia. I, mm. I, I, you know, so the fact that the movie was made is complete honor. And I mm. think it, 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 um, it really, um, I think it shows a lot of what Jim, Jim has done, but my first interaction with Jim, <laughs> um, so I, when I, prior to going to, to, to Philadelphia, I would usually, 
you know, we would swim during the year. We would start probably late September, October, um, you know, April and May, we probably took most of those months off and then we'd start in the summer. And then you take, you know, most of August and a little bit of September off. So we weren't like full on year round. Um, but my first practice at gym at, at, at PDR, it was the hardest practice I ever ever done in my life like, <laughs> i was like what in the world like it was day one and i was like i have a whole summer of this and and i think we did like 8k and <laughs> i go to the locker room and the kids are like man we're tapered i was like tapered like that was i've never i mean and, and so i was like and so like the first workout we we're doing a brushstroke set it was 12 200s brushstroke i didn't even know you could do 200s of breaststroke like I, I was like we just did 25s at, at my old club you know and, and i got out and i i'm I like i could not breathe and and jim walked over to me and he's like what the hell are you doing get back in the water and finish the damn set oh, wow dang <laughs> that, was a, that was the first workout i had with jim and uh <laughs> so it was like jim um jim is from pittsburgh originally and then if you've been to Philadelphia and if you've been to where the pool is, you understand how tough that city is. And mm. um, I was a kid from Long Island, which is pretty much a suburb. And there's, there's, there's some tough parts, but it was nothing like Philadelphia. Mm. And so um, that the environment was very hard work. Um, one, of, one of the things that Jim was um, adamant about was um, like, I mean, the color of your skin, yeah, fine, that mattered, but it, it was more so like, you are good, you guys are good, and we're going to work, outwork everybody, and we're going to do it better than everyone. And um, so the workouts, like, you know, we, we trained during the year, it was, it was, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday morning, you know, we'd get seven, 75 hundred in, and mm. at night, we'd come back Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you get in, you know, eight to nine K and then mm. Tuesday, Thursday, we'd do about 12. Um, and then Saturday we would bang out like, it was like a four hour practice, you know? And I just remember, you know, we'd have like an hour and a half left. And I could remember Jim saying like, all right, 16, 400s. I was like, do we have time for that? And <laughs> You know, so it was, it was, you know, Jim, man, Jim's old school. I didn't Jim realize was, that. Jim was, it was like an arms race in swimming back then where like Dick Schober oh, yeah. was doing yeah. 100K and, and sure. Jim was, was racing them. But I think right. um, Jim came with so much energy and excitement and passion. And, mm. um, you know, he, he was, Jim is a, is a mathematician by trade. He's brilliant. Mm. And a lot of the training we did, it was always, it was almost like the color system, but it was like, you know, 85% effort, 95% mm -hmm. effort. We knew what, what times we had to hold on all of our sets. So even though it was a lot of work, it still had purpose, but it was, it was tough. It was tough. Yeah. And it was a great, like, it was a tough team. Like they, we just held each other accountable. We spent all of our time together, but it was just an awesome experience to, to be a part of that. Was it was it all black at that time, or was there any white kids at all? Yeah, there were. So you know, it's like the majority were were black kids. But then when we started making junior nationals and started, um, you know, started winning, we had kids from all over the city, you know, come and, and join the program. So kids from like Chestnut Hill and and different parts of, you know, um, you know, different parts of Philadelphia people came because, you know, Jim was just, he was producing 
And mm. um, and so I think that that's actually I think it made our team better because the people that came to the program they were changed. You know how many how many kids come to come into the city to train at a, a at a pool like that, which just was, was a regular like eight lane, twenty five yard pool mm. in the middle of a place called like an ironic name like you know Nice Town. It was one of the roughest <laughs> parts of Philadelphia, <laughs> and these kids were coming from the suburbs into. <laughs> Philadelphia to, to <laughs> swim, you know, and I, I think that's like, um, you know, the pride movie. It, I wish they had just told the, the regular story because, you know, I think my understanding was Jim went around the neighborhood to tell everybody, look, these kids are coming from the subway. You know, we would come from Hunting Park Station and walk over to, to Germantown Avenue and stop. And that's where the, the rec center was. And he, I think he went in the neighborhood and told them like they're not selling drugs, they're not carrying anything. We just need safe passage for them to the to the pool. Mm. Um, and so, you know, that was the the thing that we saw the the movie about how like, you know, in the movie Terrence Howard played the coach and he was real calm and laid back. That was not Jim Ellis at all. <laughs> like he was, he would he would get in you if you you know he he was he was a tough great coach. Yeah, tough, tough, but you knew he cared, and you knew, yeah. and you knew it was coming from a place of love. It wasn't like nasty tough, you know. Yeah, yeah. Right. He, well, we we ate dinner together a lot. Right, right. You know, uh, we spent a lot of time together. Right. So, yeah, it was. I, you're fine as a coach. I mean, if you have if you have that relationship with your athletes, where you're close and they know. Like we saw how Jim was like. There are times where he didn't have a car, but he was he was at practice at five a.m. So mm. we saw the dedication. He joked around with us a lot. We we he made us tough, but like mm. when he yelled at you, it wasn't, you know, if he was on you, it wasn't like um it was justified. It was he wasn't he wasn't belittling you in front yeah, of everybody. He's just all. he's just he's just challenging you. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Well, that's good lessons too for you as a as a coach now, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I want to know who that first white kid was that turned up to the program. You know? <laughs> I think there were there were oh man, they, well there were a group of there were a group of awesome folks from um, uh, it was like Brian Walters, Rob Walters, Allison Goodner, mm. um, Colin Robinson. Colin and I went to high school together. Um, mm. He was from a, a place in Philly called Roxborough, and and so we just had like a ton of like as I. I think by my senior year, it was a huge mix. Kyle, um, Kyle Salyers, mm, uh, yeah. Kyle Salyers, but yeah. So we we just had a ton of of like BJ Federici. We had a bunch of kids that from all different walks of of you know all different neighborhoods in Philadelphia. Um, and and you know, mind you, Philadelphia. There's Italian parts of of Philadelphia. There's mm. Irish parts of Philadelphia. There's you know, it's so mm -hmm. it's a it was pretty awesome to see like the neighbor the the pool and the team that we had we really were a unit we loved each other so i think it's it's um it's cool to have that yeah yeah what about your path to to georgia how did you get there <laughs> um you know i was it was interesting like i was i think i was looking at um you know i think with with, with every swimmer that that has an opportunity to swim you know, at the, at the collegiate level, um, you know, you look at the, the biggest schools. So I was looking at Michigan. I was looking at, um, um, you know, looked at Florida, looked at Southern Cal um, and um, was looking at Virginia. 
And then um, uh, one of my teammates' uh, parents um, went to school with Jack Barely at LaSalle High School. Um, and then, and so they were good friends. And he called him and said, he said, you know, Jack, you need to come look at this kid. And Georgia was nowhere, like, it wasn't even on the radar, you know. And so, um, you know, but we were open-minded and I was like, let's, let's take a look at it. And, and Mm. so I visited, um, I only actually took, only took three visits. I took a visit to, um, took a visit to Florida. I took a visit to Southern Cal and I visited uh, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember talking to John Urbanchek and he was like, you know, we, he was selling the program and he was like, yeah, you know, we, it gets dark at three forty-five, and we go to school in tunnels. And it, like, he lost me right there. <laughs> it's like, I'm waking up at four in the morning and it's negative 10 degrees now and it's colder in, in Michigan. I was like, I looked all at, at warm places. So, um, but Jack, I think, um, you know, I, I'm, I met, you know, I think Chris, Chris Davis, uh, not Chris Davis, Chris Martin was the head coach at Florida. Mm. Mark Schubert was at Southern Cal. And, and then I met Jack. Um, and I, I just felt like Jack was the most genuine um, coach that I'd met and was, you know, he, he, he did a great job recruiting because I come from a, a, a family of teachers. My dad is a professor. Mm. Um, my mom, my mom taught school for 50 years. My brother's a superintendent. Now I was an education major. So Jack understood how important education was in my family. And it's, it's really what pulled, you know, my mom and dad out of poverty, you know? So, um, for me, it was about like, you know, Jack set up a, a meeting where I was like, I was looking at, um, I wanted to go to education. I met the education, you know, Mm. Uh, I went to, you know, different classes, talked to the dean of, of the uh, education, school of education, and he just understood, you know, that I wasn't just there to swim. And so I think uh, Georgia, the weather was beautiful. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, I, I just felt like it was a program, you know, that could um, that could grow, and there were two other brushstrokers there, Barry Wynn and Gabe Vin- uh, Vasquez, that were both 159 brushstrokers back then. And I was like, "This is I, I get a chance to race these guys every day." So, um, and the pool compared to what Philadelphia was, well, I thought you know the old Stegman pool at, at Georgia was. I thought I was like, "Man, this is beautiful," and um, because it was, it looked clean. You know, it looked it was a 50 meter pool. It was water. Yeah. And then I remember going to my first meet at Auburn, and I was like, "Wow!" <laughs> and then I think Auburn had just built the new pool. But I got down to, to Georgia because um, I just felt like it was the place that felt like home at that at mm. that point in time, you know. And I didn't yeah. want to be in a city because I was leaving a city where you're having to look behind your back and yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, get out of there. Yeah, yeah. come down south. That's cool. Yeah. I like that. And you did mention the, the other program. When was the first time you get to Georgia and you realize you have to race against Auburn? Freshman, <laughs> I mean, I think it was like, um, when was it? I think Auburn might have been our first or second meet. I can't remember. What was your freshman year? What year was that? 93. 93. Oh, so you're, you're, you're a, actually, you and I are the same age. So, like, I finished high school in 92. But I didn't come to college until 96. So I was 21 when I came to college. So we're, we're the same age, but we 
we have did you when was your, when was your senior year so my senior was actually 98 i took a year and went back okay. to philadelphia to train with jim yeah okay so we we did overlap i knew we overlapped at some point yeah yeah, yeah so um but yeah the whole uh the whole auburn georgia rivalry i guess was was kind of kicking into gear around that time you know yeah, like we were, we were good we were getting good around that time and and you guys were, were good so certainly had some battles huh absolutely absolutely you guys had an awesome sprint group you know yeah. and uh I, did, I remember seeing a lot of the um innovation in swimming happening at auburn you mm -hmm. know and we would hear about it we would see it in your in in your um you know, in the competitions and um it was just it was you know still a lot of what was done at auburn back then is it's interesting to see how commonplace it is now mm -hmm. but how how different it was and how outside of the box it was back then dude power swimming man we we didn't like power swimming i swear was invented at auburn in terms of the the way that power swimming is done today i mean i think it had its had its genesis kind of foundations at, at Auburn, right? I, Mike Bottom mm -hmm. um, was certainly part of that, you know, the, and, and Dave Marsh is the head coach, but I, I hadn't seen anything like that either, man. I'm a sprinter who was really pretty good, and I, and I came to Auburn for the first time at the age of 21, and I had never done workouts like that. Yeah. I mean, we're doing 10-meter we're doing sprints across the diving well. You know, yeah. and that's it. That's training. And like, what is this? This is madness, <laughs> you know? Like, but yeah. but it's so intense for two hours. Yeah. And then they're incorporating equipment. And then you're it's like you're doing this, and it's like, what is this kind of workout? And yeah. that was the that was the beginnings of power training, man. And to see it incorporated almost into every single program now, yeah. um, it's kind of cool to to have been part of that. But um, but yeah, I guess I guess uh you know, swimming in the SEC was fun, man. There was a, there was a lot of interesting characters, a lot of interesting coaches and teams, and I'm sure you had a had a, a good four years. You have a good experience at Georgia. Yeah, I loved it. You know, I yeah. I think, um, you know, if you go to college and it doesn't change you, um, then I don't know if you do college right. You know, I think. <laughs> um, it was such a learning experience for everyone involved. Like, um. I felt like my teammates, you know, had exposure to someone that they probably normally wouldn't have had exposure to in a more uh, personal way. You know, when you're rooming with people, mm -hmm. um, I was, I think, and you know, there were other like Alan Murray was on on Georgia before me, um, and then it was myself and I think Dorian. Um, so we were, you know, we were the young Dorian was from the Bahamas. I was from, you know, came out of Philadelphia. And um, so, like, there are a lot of questions about, like, where I'm from. I remember I had one kid that was like, you know, it must have been tough growing up in the projects in Philadelphia. I was like, I'm not from the projects. I was like, you know, <laughs> nothing against anybody from the projects, but my dad is a professor. Mm. You know, so I think those, we grew a lot and really became family. Yeah. And I think the, um, you know, my experience with just, um you know, you know, regular students at, at, at Georgia, like my, my, you know, junior, senior year was great. You know, it was, it was, um, I, you know, I, I think every athlete leaves the sport, you know, thinking what could I've done differently to, to mm -hmm. get a little bit better. But, um, and I think as, as coaches, you have, you know, a lifetime to get it right. And as an athlete back then you had 
maybe four years, five years to get it right. Mm. So I think, um, you know, I did, I had so much success long course um, and was better long course than I was at short course. Mm. Uh, I just could not get the turns right <laughs> at a slow <laughs> stroke. Um, and so I think that, that, um, you know, what Jack taught me and what, um, you know, the, the, um, the relationships that I, that I had with, you know, friends that, that, um, you know, that I went to school with at, at, at Georgia, it was, it was awesome. Andy Griffin, who coaches here in Atlanta, Heath, Heath Edwards, Dave Messenger, Atiba Wade. Atiba, um, man, my boy Atiba, I love Atiba. Bobby Brewer, you know, those mm. are guys that, that we, we, you know, it was, we left a legacy. I think when I came in, we were like 30th in mm. the country and, and by our junior year, we were third in the country. Mm -hmm. you know, so yep. that I felt, you know, that we were part of that that process to help bring the men's team forward. Yeah, absolutely. I remember I remember Georgia being being a powerhouse for us, man. It was always like a challenge to yeah. to race you guys as a group. And uh, and we we I think the only place we got you was kind of in the sprinting. You guys would, would get us kind of everywhere else. But um, yeah, some some fun times, man. Definitely yeah. shaped shaped my life for sure. Vasa has been the go-to training tool outside of the pool for over 30 years. Vasa's products are ideal for developing power and proper technique in your swimmer's catch. Add a few Vasa trainers to your pool deck and it's like adding an extra lane to your swimming pool. Go to vasatrainer.com, use code BREAD at checkout and get 10% off anything from Vasa. Destro Swim Towers. Gain strength in the water with a tower of power. Save $150 per double swim tower by using code BRETT, B-R-E-T-T, -T, at checkout. DestroMachines.com. Did you think from that moment when you left college that you were going to go into coaching? <laughs> um, you know, I was, I was really sort of dead set on becoming a teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think coaching is a lot like like teaching, you know. Um, but I was going to be a uh, follow the path of you know my family members and 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 you know be a high school history teacher. Um, and I thought about coaching a little bit, but um, you know I started giving lessons when I was in college, and it was great because when I started giving lessons, I became a better swimmer. You know, mm -hmm. um, yep. when you have to explain something to someone, it 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 really it makes you hold yourself accountable. Like I'm telling this little kid to, to, to learn how to do it this way. Or if you're learning how to explain freestyle to a three-year-old, mm. um, it, it teaches you how to think about things differently. And I think that was something that was, was, um, was super helpful, but I enjoyed that experience. I didn't, I didn't, you know, actually when I graduated, I actually started working for Morgan Stanley in Athens as a financial advisor. And then I went in um, when they shook, shut that office down in, in Athens, when the tech bubble burst, I went to work for First Union in Atlanta, which became Wachovia, which became Wells Fargo. Mm, mm. Um, and, you know, always, you know, I, there was a, my wife was like, you need to teach your daughter how to swim. I was like, all right. She was like four, I think. Um, and um, so, you know, I went to the city of Atlanta pool, started teaching how to swim. And I look up and there's like 20 kids around me. Um, can you show me how to do this? You know, can you yeah. teach me how to swim? So, um, you know, and we work with those kids and put my daughter aside, you know, and, and 
And my wife was like, you should get back into coaching. And I did. And, um, and that was kind of what pulled me back into coaching. And I had, you know, when I, I didn't end my swimming career the way I wanted to. So I was mm. totally oblivious to all the changes that took place. And, you know, um, when I started, co- I think I started coaching back in 2003, I want to say mm. 2002. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, coaching my first workout and a kid did a breaststroke pullout and he did a dolphin kick. And I was like, this kid is cheating on every single lap. And I was like, stop doing a breaststroke, stop doing a dolphin kick on a, on a pullout. And then they were like, Mike, it's legal now. I was like, what? <laughs> but, um, what? I could have been so much faster than let me do a damn dolphin How's kick. How's that a thing? You know, so, um, <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to let the kid because he, he's cheating. And they're like, no, you can do that. So, um, you know, I think with, with my coaching career, it just became, at first it was like, I'll coach three days a week. And then, you know, the next year, uh, Melissa at DeKalb Aquatics, Melissa Wilburn, she went to Auburn, actually. Mm-hmm. She's the one that gave me the first shot. And wow. um, and she was awesome, you know, great, great coach, great person. And um, she sort of gave me a group and said, coach him. And mm-hmm. and so, like, it just every year I got, uh, I got it, you know, I, it just, coaching becomes a part of you. It kind of calls you yeah. and you get addicted to it. I, that's why I, I talked to my wife about like it's coaching is sort of an addiction. You you love reading about it, learning about it, thinking about it, and that just happened more and more. So uh, around 20, 2012, I asked my wife, I was like, "Hey, I think I want to go full time into coaching mm. and start a swimming lessons business." And she said, "All right, you can go. I support you 100. percent All my friends supported me, and my wife was just like, you know, mm. just hold on to your suits." And your, mm-hmm. your shoes, just in case it doesn't work out. But <laughs> um, but I did that, you know, and wow. and um, never never really looked back. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. that's 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 awesome, man. Um, tell us about that first team that you that you built from scratch. Oh, <laughs> um, it was you know we we make a joke. We had more coaches than we had swimmers. You know, we had then um, we had like four coaches because in my mind I was like, we're going to open up this this program. It's going to be awesome. And it was, but there were only like seven kids the first month, and then it grew to like <laughs> twenty-five at the end of the end of the <laughs> end of the the first year. And you know, and um, you know, and that's when I had like Dean Ferris, John Mitchell, Chris Chris Thames, um, you know, Max Walker. We had ton of ton of awesome kids, you know, mm. and and um, and they were young, and that's really where I cut my teeth on on really understanding how to get better. I think um, um, the detail that you had to, we had a small team, and we had to, you know, to survive and to grow. You you're we're racing, you know, Dynamo and 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 Swim Atlanta, and so we had to um, we had to outcoach everybody, and they had to outperform in order for us to 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 last, but also for them to get to the level that they, we, you know, that I thought they were capable of. Um, that's where a little bit of Jim Ellis, you know, came into play and, and um, you know, uh, sort of challenging that energy and that effort and that passion to, to making the program work. And we spent all of our time together. We, you know, we ate dinner together. The parents were awesome, you know, and so I think that 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 building that program was very difficult. We talk about the family piece because uh, maybe about a year into two years into building the program, city, 
city of Atlanta did not want to, um, they just, you know, they wanted to keep it more inside internal working. for Atlanta. Um, so, you know, it forced us to get a pool, an outdoor pool, put a tent over it so that our team could keep going. Um, and that was probably the most challenging time I've ever had as a, as a coach <laughs> is mm. having to, and the pool, I thought it would be great because the pool was right across the street from, from our house. Mm. It was a nightmare. It was like, you're really just constantly cleaning bathrooms, you know, mm. cleaning the pool, checking the heaters. Um, but some of the best coaching happened then. And I think there was a, there was a time where we had to transition into that pool and we, um, I couldn't afford to pay myself. So I took a job at night working on a forklift. Um, my friend who's a, runs a, a trucking company was like, look, I, I, I gotta, I gotta make money, but I can't, I, I got to coach during the, you know, in the evening. So I need something at night and, or during the day so I can get to the, the pool and coach. And he gave me a job, you know, it was good money working a forklift. And I remember the first night, like sitting on the forklift, I was like, I'm doing all this for coaching, <laughs> you know? And um, I think, but I wouldn't have been able to do that had it not been for Jim Ellis, had it not been for, you know, uh, Jack, had it not been for my wife who who stood by and, and, and supported it and my kids. And I wouldn't have been able to, you know, draw off my father's story for how he came up and what he had to do if, if, to make it through that very difficult time frame. you know? So um, that, that's kind of shaped you know, the shapes our program today. It shapes me of who I am. And, and uh, it's, it's been awesome. It's been a great, it wasn't fun back then, but it's looking back on it. I'm glad I went through it. That's what I mean, man. Like trailblazer. Maybe we need a pride too. How about that? Let's get, let's get that going. <laughs> you know, no, you know, uh, do you have goals then now that uh, are bigger than where you are? I mean, you've, you've achieved, incredible amounts in this time right and you're coaching some of the best swimmers in the world one of the best programs is it but do you have personal goals beyond that or are you happy where you're at you know i like i love georgia tech i love being yeah. here i love yeah. um I, you know because part of the process is like you you work you have to wait two years to see the kids that you're recruiting now mm -hmm. you know and so like i've been i'm so excited for this class coming in and I think, you know, Brett, you know, this as a coach, like you just have this loyalty to your swimmers, you mm -hmm. know, where you want them to do well. You want to develop them. You want to see them, you know, reach their the highest limit. And and the, the, the really good swimmers kind of lead you a little bit and you learn more than, you know, you learn, you learn, you learn more from them than they learn from you, you know. Um, yeah. And so I feel like um, I kind of just take things one day at a time, you know, and I'm learning so much at, at tech here where just from the whole college experience, I'm going into my fifth year um, of coaching college and it has been a great learning experience. So, you know, I want to, um, I want, you know, I just want to continue to, to, to learn, you know, because I feel like as much as I read, as much as I study, I still feel like there's so many awesome coaches out there that have incredible ideas and and i want some of that you know and yeah. um you know i love being on the pool deck coaching you know the day-to-day -day work and thinking about things differently and and learning from you like i, I texted you because 
I, I was looking at a video on on uh, championship products of mm -hmm. um, you know looking at the start, and I was like, man, this is still good good information, still relevant. So I think for me, it's it's you know always looking at opportunities to work with the, with great people and good and good athletes, um, and also always being in a situation where you have the freedom to develop and create and having the support, you know, of, um, you know, of whatever administration you're, you're working with. So I think that's, mm -hmm. I always want to, you know, I would love to send some kids to international, more kids to international teams and, you know, um, you know, get some, you know, all Americans and, and getting, getting some help and getting uh, Georgia tech, having some people on, on, uh, on those, you know, us yeah. national teams. And right. Right. So, yeah. 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 Let's get, let's get you on there too with them. And um, you're right. You know, you know, I find the most successful coaches are inquisitive, man. You're always asking questions and you're always um, interested in learning. And, and then, like you said, you're out there um, creating and um, you know, pushing yourself to different limits. You know, it's like you, you, you ask questions and then you go out there and you're like, okay, how can I apply this now? And how can I use my own talents and gifts to get something else? I, I think you, the sky's the limit for you, man, in that sense. And you should really start to dream big if you haven't already. You're at a you're at a point now where you're getting athletes who could potentially start to get on podiums at world championships and Olympic games, man. And how cool would it be? And listen, I, I'm telling I'm telling you this from experience. When when one of your athletes gets on the top of the podium at the Olympics. You feel like you got on there too. Like you just yeah. do. It, it just feels incredible. And I remember just crying when Caesar won the Olympic gold medal because I was like, man, I just feel part of that. Like you said, you're eating dinner with these kids. You're putting everything you can in. You're learning more from them than they're learning from you. So like you, you feel so part of that accomplishment. And you're just in a position now where that's going to happen for you. You know, like you're going to get kids on on these on these podiums here soon if it hasn't happened already but especially the olympic games and I, I want that for you man i think you're you're ready for that and you're the right type of guy to to get someone to do that um uh, i really want that for you so that, that'd be cool um I, actually we're, we're we're sitting here in real time right now and i'm not i'm gonna be i'm gonna be honest with you one of my experiences that i had was in rome uh, one of my most memorable experiences was in Rome where Caesar broke the world record in the 100 freestyle. And we're actually sitting here in real time right now. David Popovich is on the blocks. Sergio Lopez is texting me right now as I'm talking to you. <laughs> and he's giving me a blow-by-blow blow on, on this world record status because I want this world record to go, man. I've, <laughs> I've lived with this thing for a while and it was one of my favorite memories. But I, I want to pass it on and I hope this kid gets it. So maybe in the next 30 seconds I might get a, a text message from Sergio saying, but uh, we're we're all excited. But yeah, it's just swimming's cool, man. It does those things. Like it, especially once you get to that level where you, where you get these kids, where um, two things you you you're taking them to where they thought they could never get right, or, or or beyond what they thought they were capable of producing out of themselves, and that could be just on a daily basis in training. You know, like I've had some swimmers come out and be like, "Coach, I didn't know I could do that. I didn't know I didn't know I could." push that hard i didn't know i could swim that fast i didn't know i could compete that hard like that that's a good feeling for me and then you know then you get a swimmer who eventually breaks a world record and does pushes the boundary of human capability as well and that's what i love about swimming man that, to get yeah. those moments for me is really cool yeah I, I love i think the thing i love about swimming too is 
like you said, like I think I live for the moments to to see someone that has done the work mm -hmm. um, celebrate, you know, their accomplishment and, and yeah. seeing a swimmer be happy and and that that high that lasts for them for a long time, like that the energy it, it, I think it feeds you, but that you want to see them be successful. And I think yeah. that's the it I think it validates the work that you've put into helping them be successful so that you know they can celebrate that moment and and it's you know to be able to stand back and watch someone stand on the podium and and smile is awesome it, it is is it, it's i think that's what i got in the coaching for one of the things i got in the coaching for yeah well listen if people are like you and they're young and they're looking for a program like you were with georgia and and a, and a mentor in jack if they're looking for that now you can't find a better person than you. You can't find a better program than Georgia Tech. You can't find a better school. I mean, your school is legitimately up there with some of the best schools in the country. It's it's a really good school if you're looking for one. Um, but just getting to know you and listening to you speak, man, who wouldn't want to be mentored by you and coached by you? I mean, I'd, I'd fight for you any day of the week. So I hope a lot of kids look at look at you and, and Courtney and what you guys are doing at Georgia Tech is it's a it's a beautiful pool. I mean, Olympic pool, right? Ninety six, and uh, you got everything you need. And but, but the most important thing you got coaches that, that care about you. So yeah. I hope uh, a lot of kids, um, you know, check you you out because um, I definitely swim for you. Like I said, so I appreciate it. Um, Thank you. Man. This has been good, man. Uh, I've enjoyed getting to know you more here, and um, good luck. What's what's on the near horizon? What's what's coming up for you um, that's close? Uh, well, we have we have a couple swimmers that are that are um, gearing up for Brazilian World Short Course Championships, mm -hmm. um, and you know beyond that we have uh, you know Nick is Nick Fink is here, and so um, just plotting that out for the next next year or so, and, and figuring out you know how to how to manage that process and uh, figuring out where we can go with that, and and really at Tech just making everything you know just just really growing and and constantly evolving with team culture and and um, and getting a chance to work with with all these coaches. So I think it's it's sort of back to the grind or staying on the grind right now, just learning and and um, you know getting everyone ready and, and seeing what we can do. Awesome, man. Well, very exciting and um, good luck with everything. I will give everybody an update because I did mention it. Uh, so. Popovich did not break the world record, but oh. came very close. 4698. 4698. Wow. Uh, wow. I think he's now the third man under under 47. So I mean this kid's wow. getting close, man. I, I love this kid. He's he's awesome too. Um beautiful stroke. Just a matter yeah. of time. Just talk about technique and just studying a technique and, yeah. and even a mindset, like this kid's yeah. mindset. I could listen to him speak all day. I could watch him swim all day. I mean, that you talk about learning, you know, like I'm learning from this this 18-year-old. You know, it's just like, what? I don't even know if he's 18 yet. He's probably still 17. So Yeah, he's, it's, yeah. he's, he's an incredible – like it's – some of like that that just kind of float across the water. And um, yeah. Yeah. and it's, it's so rare to have someone that is, you know, that talented – and that, that dedicated, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope one drops into your lap soon, man. Get one. Get one for yourself. Uh, we got a fun few. To, yeah. Fun to work with. Yeah. All right. Good luck. Hey, appreciate this, man. Thanks. And um, this will actually come out in a couple of days and, you know, get it out to the world. So I appreciate it, man. Thanks, Mike. All right. Take care, Brett. Thank you. Thank you. Event, heat, lane.
name of swimmer times and places it's called swim nerd live and it allows the data and times from your actual scoreboard to be broadcast and viewed in real time on any smart tv phone or other device there are so many things you can do with this software a very simple and easy to use necessity for any team or facility that is live streaming their meets results one click on any device and they're watching your swim meet live in real time Go to swimpractice.com to learn more.